Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Creekside Outdoors. I am your host, Eric Miller, and this is going to be another commentary week. Just a few items I want to touch on. First, I want to go over um, episode 12, which was our first video podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed it. It was uh, a little difficult in making. Uh, We had to convert uh, our regular DV file to MP4. And we ran into some trouble initially. That's why it took so long to do. Because our audio was out of sync and it just it didn't jive up. It didn't look good. So um, we had to go back and tweak it. And there were a couple guys over on huntingpa.com that um, were nice enough to help me out and, and uh, let me know if there were any issues, which there were. Uh, a, the file size was, was way too big. And it just took forever to download. So uh, you know we had to break it down into two parts which made the files more manageable and hopefully easier for you to download I know when I use iTunes it seems to go more quickly uh, downloading using iTunes than when it does um, you know trying to download straight from our our blog so hopefully those of you who um, were able to download you enjoyed it Um, and I gotta say uh, if if downloads are an indication and I'm going off our feed burner stats here we had 368 downloads for the video podcast, and to that uh, point, the previous highest download was 296 uh, of episode 11, which was our uh, interview with Dick Bodenhorn. So that um that was pretty cool. It was nice to see um, that people were actually enjoying it. Um, at, at least I think they were here f- with the number of downloads. So, 368 downloads for a video podcast, and hopefully everybody uh, was able to view it and you liked it. I'm going to be doing some more. Uh, I'm going to try to alternate um, between interviews, a comment, an audio commentary, and then a video podcast. So hopefully that will uh, you know keep things moving as far as uh, you know, originality, different things. Um, I've already edited uh, the vast majority of our next video cast, um, and I've got some guests lined up for our audio portion. So, um, you know, good stuff happening, I think. So, um, second item I want to go over is uh, our stats for the last couple months. Um, for the last couple, I'm sorry, last month. For the last month, we ranked, according to Podcast Alley, Number 150 overall for sports-related uh, podcasts. So that you know, I, I went over this before, but that includes hockey, basketball, um, you know, other things, uh, skiing, snowboarding, skateboarding, things like that. So we were 100, number 150 overall. And according to Podcast Alley, we are actually number one uh, overall hunting and outdoor-related podcast. Uh, so that's pretty good. You know, that's nice. Thanks for everybody who's subscribing and listening because that's what they're judging. They're going off our feed burner stats. So um, that's great. It's fantastic. I'm really happy with that. So thanks to all my listeners out there who are enjoying the show and subscribing and things like that. Um, next thing I want to touch on here is I was forwarded this by a friend of mine. And this is uh, from swanforgovernor.com. And it says, uh, Lynn Swan has a sportsman's philosophy. And the one item I really want to uh, to stress on here, uh, 
if you guys want to, you can check this out at the at the the webpage uh, swanforgovernor.com. Um, there's a little section for his uh, yeah, the sportsman's philosophy that you can click in. But anyway, I'm going to read this to you. Uh, item number one: invest state resources. This is his plan. Um, uh, ways he's going. He says the numerous ideas that Swan Matthews administration will advance to illustrate their sportsman's philosophy. Number one. Invest state resources in the ongoing efforts to ascertain whether deer management is being properly pursued. Pennsylvania sportsmen are frustrated in many parts of the Commonwealth with the lack of availability of deer and the management of the herds. Just a few years ago, there were on average 21 deer per square mile. Now that average deer count per square mile has been reduced by half. The Game Commission needs additional funding to complete vital flyovers in order to collect deer population data on state game lands and privately owned areas. The Game Commission and the Governor should ensure that all the documents and findings are available online. If there is a perception that information concerning deer populations is not accessible, litigation has and will continue to be pursued. We owe our hunters frankness and openness as we work through difficult issue of deer management. And i got to be honest, I'm not... I'm not exactly sure where to be on this one. This is kind of, um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm just not sure what to, uh, how to take this. Uh, part of me thinks, yeah, the game commission is definitely uh, underfunded. They could use additional funding. Um, but you know, the idea of continued you know, litigation. Uh, because people don't feel that the deer herd is being uh, managed properly, that's the part that's that's the part that frustrates me. You know, basically, that's saying that you know, if people don't get what they want, which is more deer per square mile, even even if the habitat can't support it, which they don't believe, um, what's happening now is is true that the habitat can support more deer than. Um, than currently is out there. You know, I've said all along that the herd has definitely been reduced, but that was the plan all along. And now they're saying that litigation has and will continue to be pursued if information concerning the deer population is not accessible. And which is odd because on the the Game Commission website it says exactly how they, uh, you know, estimate the deer population. I, I, I guess people they only want to hear what they want to hear you, you, you can't that's anyway that's the part that's frustrating me I'm not really going to get into it right now um, yeah I, I agree with this you know we owe our hunters frankness and openness but you know at what point do you let the biologists do their job you know I I, yeah, I don't know you know biologists know what they're doing I have all the faith in the world that they do and I got to be honest, I don't know if I have faith in a lot of hunters out there that actually know, uh, you know, bad habitat when they see it. You know, and in all honesty, you know, I had somebody tell me, well, where I hunt, you know, it's just, it's so thick. I said, okay, you know, thick's good. What's it thick with? Well, it's thick with beach, you know, and okay, <laughs> beach. It's not really, uh, you know, high on the deer browse list. You know, they'll eat the beach nuts when they're available, when they're falling, but, you know, Usually, uh, you find a, a fallen tree or something that still has bees nuts in it, and you might find some deer, but it's not nothing that they're going to readily rely on. 
which this leads me into my next topic. But, you know, I, I think all hunters mean well, but I don't think uh, that, you know, when it comes to the habitat, they're 100% absolutely certain of bad habitat when they see it. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. But take that for what it is, you know. I like I you know I like Swan for governor, but I'm not sure about this mentioning that litigation has and will to continue be, to be pursued. I don't think deer management should ever, 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 ever be decided in the court. And that's all I'm going to say. All right, moving on. I touched a little bit on beech trees um, and litigation, and um, one topic that I, I see constantly brought up um, is the topic of acid rain is as much to blame if not more than the deer as to why the forests are not regenerating and you know I don't think you'll ever find a scientist that says acid rain is not an issue of course it is it's always an issue but what I want to know is if that's the case why isn't the USP following a suit against some of these uh, industries out in uh, the Midwest that are causing the acid rain, you know, because everything's blowing from the west to the east. So why aren't they uh, readily and actively filing a suit against those companies? Hmm? You know, what's the game commission have to do with acid rain? They can't control it. So let's let's sue them for it if that's their their case. But so you know, um, that's what frustrates me. You know, the game commission isn't handling the deer management properly. All right. And they say acid rain is such an issue. You know what? Then get your attorney on some of those companies that are in the Midwest causing the acid rain. Makes sense to me. Why not do it? I don't know. But here's an interesting thing of, uh, about some pH levels, pH tolerance levels of some, some trees of interest. This is, this is straight off the internet. Readily available for anybody who wants to read it. Um, trees that tolerate acidic soil which consists of pH less, less, stress, less than four. I'm going to name some uh, species here for you that are of interest. There's, there's quite a big list here, but um, Fagus grandifolia, which is the American beech. All Quercus species, Quercus being oak species, and it says especially pin oak, sassafras, hemlock, Canada yew, sweet gum, um, pitch pine, white cedar, you know, list goes on. Now this is th These are trees that tolerate soils less than 4%. Okay? If that's the case, um, that, you know, the acid rain is causing uh, the oak species not to regenerate, how can that be if, this, if they tolerate acidic soils? And acid rain causes the soil to turn more acidic. And this is pH is less than 4 these trees readily grow in. So let's think about this. Dogwood. It's tolerant of a pH less than 4. Dogwood browse by, by deer. Well, they eat, I'm sure they eat the berries. Uh, you know, we know birds eat the berries. Whether it's high on a list or not, I'm not sure. Beach. You know, beach is thriving. You know, I just had that example of that one fellow who said he, he has nothing but beach, nothing else. You know, it's thick with beach, not much else growing. Well, like I said, deer don't 
really browse on beach. It's not high on their list. Yet it's growing. If the soil is acidic as these people are saying it is, it's growing readily. Uh, you know, so what's it? What is it? You know, is it because this, the pH is low? Well, if the pH is low, you know, and American beach beaches prospering, all right. What about oak? Now, oak seems to be the problem. Now, there's no oak regeneration. Now, there's there's a lot of causes to that, but let's you know, obviously acorns uh, readily eaten by by deer. We also know that deer readily browse oak uh, as the shoots. Now, if if there weren't any deer, but we had a low pH soil, where is all the oak? Think about it. Where is the oak if there's no deer and we've got an acidic soil? And right here it says that you know oak species, Quercus species, tolerate acidic soil. Same thing with hemlock. Same exact thing goes with hemlock. Um, you know, I, I, that's my point being. I'm not buying into the acid rain uh, as the sole problem here. Is it is it a, a problem? I'm sure it is. Absolutely. You never find a scientist that's not going to say it isn't. But if you got a pH and you've got a tree, a low pH, and you've got a tree that tolerates low pH, yet that tree is not there, and they're claiming a low p, uh, you know, acidic soil. You know, do the math. <laughs> um, so that's all I want to say on that. Next, I want to go to. Um, I got an email, a real nice email. Uh, from a guy named Rick G. And uh, this is the Rick's email. Eric, I wanted to drop you a note that I love the show. I started listening after I saw the post on huntingpa.com about Dick Bodenhorn's interview. I then started to listen to all the podcasts in a row. Great job. Keep up the good work. A suggested topic or interview would be one of the commissioners. It would be nice to hear what some of them would have to say. And again, uh, signed Rick G. Um, I, I emailed Rick to thank him for his email. I always love, I don't, I love feedback. I, whether the people think the show is a joke or whether they really enjoy it, and I get quite a few emails like this, um, like the one from Rick. And um, you know, it. I thanks guys. You really make my day when you you send in these these emails because it makes me feel that I'm, I am doing a good job and you're enjoying it. So again, thanks Rick for your email. I really appreciate it. As far as interview with the commissioners, um, I'm laying the groundwork now. Um, to, to get the inter, the commissioners lined up. Um, I've got some, some guests coming up. Two special ones that I really don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet. I want you to be surprised um, that are coming up. I've been working on it. and uh, matter of fact, tomorrow i get to make a phone call to lay the groundwork for it um, and, and set up a time for it. But those two are going to be, uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Um, and i also going to have Mark Banker come back uh, since we're getting close to, to the grouse opener. You know, a little, uh, was it two months away as of Monday? So we're getting there to so see what, what the status is of the grouse and woodcock situation in PA. Um, the commissioners, again, I do plan on, on talking to them, um, Rick, so hopefully you can hang in there and we'll, we'll get them lined up for you. Um, I'm going to have Merlin back on. Uh, he's been swamped. They're, they're doing this these surveys up there, so I know he's he's got his hands full doing that. So once he gets a break from that, um, we're gonna have him back, but the the two the two guests coming up, uh, I, I think you're really gonna enjoy it. I'm not gonna let the cat out of the bag. You're gonna have to just 
sit back and wait. <laughs> but I, I promise you, you will, um, you will enjoy it. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on, I just got back from vacation. I was down at uh, Delaware Seashore State Park, which I vacationed there throughout my entire life. And uh, was out a couple of days flounder fishing back in the bay, and we did really well. Uh, I forget what our totals were. I think for the boat, the two days I was on the boat, I want to say we had we got into 36, total of 36 fish landed. Now the minimum down there is 17 inches. And I only think nine were keepers. Um, the largest, which uh, which I caught, was 20 inches. It was uh, the biggest flounder I ever caught. Um, I'm going to have that picture up on, on the blog. Um, probably by tomorrow, I think. I'm going to try to try to get that done. Um, but the, the highlight came for me. Uh, I took my nephew out fishing off the jetty uh, not not out on the on the point but just just near the bridge if you're familiar with seashore state park and uh i had fisher like i said my whole life and, uh i was after striper I, I know how to fish for him down there and a few casts out there and just at dusk the bluefish were in but uh they were they weren't doing anything but just biting the the worms off of our bucktails they weren't taking the whole thing so i never got a chance to, to give the rod to nicholas but um, right after dark, right, you know, maybe a half hour after dark, uh, you threw out there, let it drift like I usually do and brought it up through the hole real slow and I got slammed, I mean slammed by a striper and I knew right away cause I'd hooked plenty of them before, but, uh, long story short, uh, landed the fish. It was 30 and a, and a half inches long and uh, 12 and a quarter pounds is what it weighed in at. And, uh, I'll probably have a picture of that up on my, on the blog here shortly too, but, uh, it was really a good vacation. We enjoyed it and, uh, you know, ate everything. The striper was very good and the flounder, but um, that's where I was last week. That's why there wasn't a, a podcast last week. But lots of good things coming up. Guys, keep the emails coming. I appreciate it. Uh, hope you're out there scouting for deer or working the dog, getting the, you know, yourself in shape, uh, whatever you want to do, shooting your muzzleloader. But uh, hopefully you're enjoying these last uh, – Hopefully not too hot days of summer before the season's rolling. I know we're only two weeks away from the dove and goose opener, so all you uh, migratory bird hunters, best of luck to you there. I think I'll be out that Friday probably for dove, and then I'll uh, hit maybe Saturday for an early goose hunt if I can find a spot. But um, everybody be safe. Uh, thanks to everybody for their feedback. Keep it coming. I appreciate it. And until next week, have a good one. This week's episode of Creekside Outdoors has been brought to you by HuntingPA.com, Pennsylvania's premier outdoor website. For all things hunting and outdoors in Pennsylvania, visit HuntingPA.com.